Chapter Twenty Two of Arema. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Dodge. Arema by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter Twenty Two. Betsy Bowen. So far, then, there was nobody found to go into my case, and to think with me and to give me friendly countenance, with the exception of Firm Gundry, and I feared that he tried to think with me because of his faithful and manly love, more than from balance of evidence. The Sawyer, of course, held my father guiltless, through his own fidelity and simple ways, but he could not enter into my set thought of a stern duty laid upon me, because to his mind the opinion of the world mattered nothing, so long as a man did all right. For wisdom like this, if wisdom it is, I was a great deal too young and ardent, and to me fair fame was almost equal value with clear conscience. And therefore, wise or foolish, rich or poor, beloved or unloved, I must be listless about other things, and restless in all, until I should establish truth and justice. However, I did my best to be neither ungrateful nor stupidly obstinate, and beginning more and more to allow for honest, though hateful, opinions, I yielded to dear Mrs. Hawkins' wish that I should not do anything out of keeping with English ideas and habits. In a word, I accepted the Major's kind offer to see me quite safe in good hands in London, or else bring me straightway back again, and I took only just things enough for a day or two, meaning to come back by the end of the week, and I kissed Mrs. Hawkins just enough for that. It would not be a new thing for me to say that we never know what is going to happen, but, new or stale, it was true enough, as old common sayings of common sense, though spurned when not wanted, show themselves. At first, indeed, it seems as if I were come for nothing, at least as concerned what I thought the chief business of my journey. The Major had wished to go first to the bank, and appeared to think nothing of anything else. But I, on the other hand, did not want him there, preferring to keep him out of my money matters, and so he was obliged to let me have my way. I always am sorry when I have been perverse, and it seemed to serve me right for willfulness, when no Betsy Bowen could be discovered either at the place which we tried first, or that to which we were sent thence. Major Hawken looked at me till I could have cried, as much as to hint that the whole of my story was all of a piece, all a wild goose chase. And being more curious than ever now to go to the bank and ransack, he actually called out to the cabman to drive without delay to Messrs. Shovelin, Wait, and Shovelin. But I begged him to allow me just one minute while I spoke to the servant-maid alone. Then I showed her a sovereign, at which she opened her mouth in more ways than one, for she told me that, quote, 
though she had faithfully promised to say nothing about it because of a dreadful quarrel between her mistress and mrs strauss that was now and a jealousy between them that was quite beyond belief she could not refuse such a nice young lady if i would promise faithfully not to tell unquote. this promise i gave with fidelity and returning to the cabman directed him to drive not to messrs shovelin wait and shovelin just yet but to number seventeen european square st catherine's from a maze of streets and rugged corners and ins and outs nearly as crooked as those of a narrow human nature we turned at last into european square which was no square at all but an oblong opening pitched with rough granite and distinguished with a pump there were great thoroughfares within a hundred yards but the place itself seemed unnaturally quiet upon turning suddenly into it only murmurous with distant london din as the spires of a shell hold the heavings of the sea after driving three or four times round the pump for the houses were numbered anyhow we found number seventeen and i jumped out now don't be in such a fierce hurry miss wood cried the major who was now a little crusty english ladies allow themselves to be handed out without hurrying the gentlemen who have the honor but i wanted to save you the honor i said i will come back immediately if you will kindly wait and with this i ran up the old steps and rang and knocked while several bearded faces came and gazed through dingy windows can i see miss strauss i asked when a queer old man in a faded brown livery came to the door with a candle in his hand though the sun was shining i am the mr strauss when you see me you behold the good mrs strauss also oh thank you but that will not do i replied my business is with mrs strauss alone he did not seem to like this at first sight but politely put the chain-bolt on the door while he retired to take advice and the major looked out of the cab and laughed you had better come back while you can he said though they seem to be in no hurry to swallow you this was intended to vex me and i did not even turn my head to him the house looked very respectable and there were railings to the area the house is very respectable continued major hockin who always seemed to know what i was thinking of and now in his quick manner ran up the steps just look the scraper is clean you never see that or at least not often except with respectable people arema pray what would my scraper be and who is arema cried a strong clear voice as the chain of the door was set free and a stout tall woman with a flush in her cheeks confronted us i never knew more than one erema good mercy my eyes met hers and she turned as pale as death and fell back into a lobby chair she knew me by my likeness to my father falling on the memories started by my name and strong as she was the surprise overcame her at the sound of which 
up rushed the small hair strauss what are you doing there all of you what have you enterprised with my frau explain wilhelmina or i called the policemen's what i should say the peelers stop cried the major and he stopped at once not for the word which would have had no power although i knew nothing about it then but because he had received a sign which assured him that here was a brother mason in a moment the infuriated husband vanished into the rational and docile brother ladies and gentlemen walk in if you please he said to my great astonishment wilhelmina and my good self make you welcome to our poor house wilhelmina arise and say so go back to the kitchen hans replied wilhelmina whose name was betsy and don't you come out till i tell you you will find work to do there and remember to pump up i wish to hear things that you are not to hear mind you shut yourself in and if you soak the door to deceive me i shall know it very goot very goot said the philosophical german i never meddle with nothing wilhelmina no more than vat i do for the money and the house betsy however was not quite so sure of that with no more ceremony she locked him in and then came back to us who could not make things out my husband is the bravest of the brave she told us while she put down his key on the table and a nobler man never lived i am sure of that but every one of them foreigners excuse me sir you are an englishman i am replied the major pulling up his little whiskers i am so madame and nothing you can say will in any way hurt my feelings i am above nationalities just so sir then you will feel with me when i say that they foreigners is dreadful oh the day i ever married one of em but there i ought to be ashamed of myself and my lord's daughter facing me do you know me i asked with hot color in my face and my eyes i dare say glistening are you sure that you know me and then please to tell me how as i spoke i was taking off the close silk bonnet which i had worn for traveling and my hair having caught in a pin fell around me and before i could put it up or even think of it i lay in the great arms of betsy bowen as i used to lie when i was a little baby and when my father was in his own land with a home and a wife and seven little ones and to think of this made me keep her company in crying and it was some time before we did anything else well well replied the major who detested scenes except when he had made them i shall be off you are in good hands and the cabman pulled out his watch when we stopped so did i but he is sure to beat me they draw the minute hand on with a magnet i am told while the watch hangs on their badge and they can swear they never opened it wonderful age very wonderful age since the time when you and i were young ma'am yes sir to be sure sir mrs strauss replied as she wiped her eyes to speak of things but the most wonderfulest of all things don't you think is the going of the time sir no cabby can make it go faster while he waits or slower while he is a driving than the minds inside of us manage it 
"'Why, sir, it wore only like yesterday that this here tall, elegant, royal young lady was a lion on my breast, and what a hand she was to kick, and I said that her hair was sure to grow like this, if I was to tell you only half of what comes across me.' "'If you did, ma'am, the cabman would make his fortune and I should lose mine, which is more than I can afford. Arema, after dinner I shall look you up. I know a good woman when I see her, Mrs. Strauss, which does not happen every day. I can trust Miss Castlewood with you. Good-bye, good-bye for the present.' It was the first time that he ever called me by my proper name, and that made me all the more pleased with it. "'You see, sir, why I were obliged to lock him in,' cried the, quote, "'good woman,' unquote, following to the door to clear every blur from her virtues. "'For his own sake I done it, for I felt my cry a-comin', and to see me cry, "'Lord bless you, the effect upon him is to call out for a walking-stick and a pint of beer.' "'All right, ma'am, all right.' the major answered in a tone which appeared to me unfeeling cabman are you asleep there bring the lady's bag this moment as the cab disappeared without my even knowing where to find that good protector again in this vast maze of millions i could not help letting a little cold fear encroach on the warmth of my outburst i had heard so much in america of the dark subtle places of london and the wicked things that happen all along the Thames, discovered or invented by great writers of their own, that the neighborhood of the docks and the thought of rats, to which I could never grow accustomed, make me look with a flash, perhaps of doubt, at my new old friend. "'You are not sure of me, Miss Arema, said Mrs. Strauss, without taking offense. "'After all that has happened, who can blame it on you?' "'But your father was not so suspicious, miss. "'It might have been better for him if he had, "'according leastwise to my belief, "'which a team of wild horses will never drag out.' "'Oh, let me hear you talk of that!' I exclaimed, "'forgetting all other things. "'You know more about it than anybody I have ever met with, "'except my own father, who would never tell a word.' and quite right he was miss according to his views but come to my little room unless you are afraid i can tell you some things that your father never knew afraid do you think i am a baby still but i cannot bear that mr strauss should be locked up on my account then he shall come out said mrs strauss looking at me very pleasantly that was just like your father miss Arema but I fall into the foreign ways, being so much with the foreigners. Whether she thought it the custom among, quote, foreigners, unquote, for wives to lock their husbands in back kitchens was more than she ever took the trouble to explain. But she walked away in her stout, firm manner, and presently returned with Mr. Strauss, who seemed to be quite contented, and made me a bow with a very placid smile. "'He is harmless, and his ideas are most grand and good,' his wife explained to me with a nod at him. "'But I could not have you in with the gentleman, Hans. He always makes mistakes with the gentleman, miss. But with the ladies he behaves quite well.' "'Yes, yes, with the ladies I'm nearly always good,' 
Herr Strauss replied with diffidence. The ladies comprehend me right, all right, because I am so habitual with my wife. But the gentlemen's in London have no comprehension of me. Then the loss is on their side, I answered with a smile, and he said, Yes, yes, they lose very much by me. End of chapter 22